and welcome back to the 10th episode of the Tough Take Podcast. I'm Zachary. And I'm Luca DeLosta. In today's episode, we will hit on some key moves from the NFL free agency market so far, talk about some big risers and fallers at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, then hit on some March Madness first round games that were exciting, incredible, amazing, and close with couple highlights from the 2022 Paralympics. Let's get right into it. All right, Luca, let's start it off with the NFL Combine that happened a couple weeks ago. Let's start with some risers. I had tight end Greg Dulcich from UCLA. He needs a little better technique on blocking, but has great speed and is dynamic, and I think he could really stretch the open field in the middle. And his athletic ability was pretty up there out of tight ends in this draft class. I can't wait to see what he can do at the next level. We also have O-lineman Trevor Penning. He ran a very impressive 4.8940 yard dash for someone that's 325 pounds. I think he should be the fourth O-line taken behind Evan Neal, Iki Ukwanu, and Charles Cross. And this, there's some offensive linemen in this draft class that are ranked pretty high. Like There's good, probably... Five or more that have been projected to be taken in this first round. And then let's move on to my favorite. You know I wanted him in the draft. I don't think he'll fall to pick 31 for the Bengals. From Cincinnati, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. He is a 33.5-inch wingspan and ran a 4.4140. He's a lockdown corner, and I think he should be the top eight pick. But, Luca, here's the thing. There are a lot of – you have Kyle Hamilton – you have other corners in this draft that it'll be interesting to see where he plays out. But you and I keep talking about this, and as a Ravens fan, we have the 14th pick, and I really want him to fall there, but you and I have now agreed, after his combine performance, there is absolutely, I think, no shot that he falls out of what you say, the top eight. We'll get into this in a later episode, but I think the Ravens will take Tyler Linderbaum center. Possibly. But let's move on to some fallers, starting with QB out of UNC, Sam Howell. He was inaccurate and inconsistent on the QB drills, just wasn't showing as much arm power as some other QBs, such as Malik Willis, etc. So I just don't see him being placed as high as others might see him. But your opinion? We did have a lot of QBs in this draft. We still like to do. But... I don't think he'll be top three, top four QB taken. Because you look at like these other QBs, like Malik Willis, who had an absolute great pro day, very athletic, very accurate. And then you look at someone who got criticized for his hand size and Kenny Pickett. But then you look back and you see Joe Burrow is criticized for his hand size, being too small. But look where Joe Burrow is. I mean, he just made a Super Bowl in the second year coming off an injury. So it'll be interesting to see where he'll go. I think he'll be – Maybe three or four taken in the first round, but it'll be interesting. And then there's wide receiver Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Big, crazy, strong, like maybe even a second DK Metcalf type wide receiver. But he ran a four five five forty. wasn't crazy in agility, and won't be that high at, in first round value anymore. But I don't know. There's that, but then there's also his size. And some teams... I think look for that, and you can get an athletic specimen out of him. 
can, but when you look at the other receivers that were in the combine, you look at Chris Olave with the crazy speed. You look at Garrett Wilson. You look at Drake London. There's a lot of these receivers, and it'll be interesting to see what what team fate takes the first one, and you'll see what what they were looking for. And how how will they fall after that? One goes, it changes up the maybe the order of how others are picked. And then a third faller is edge rusher out of the University of South Carolina, Kingsley Enabare. His explosiveness wasn't matching up well against other prospects such as Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau. Know if you can do that justice by comparing to two top edge rushers in this draft class, but just another faller that could happen. I also want to talk about Jordan Davis. That man is a truck running at you. A 40-yard dash that was amazing. He is, I think he went up a little bit. He could be a little, I th- saw a little inconsistency in games on some plays getting around. But he is a bulldozer. He could be, he's like a big Aaron Donald in a way. Not with the same strength, but I think he'll cause Heck in this league. Dude, after seeing his 40-yard dash, his broad jump, and his vertical, that dude is a freak of nature. And he's, what, like 380-something pounds? Like, damn. All right, let's get into the most recent NFL news. Luca, what's the biggest news? I don't know, but there's Tom Brady coming back off of retirement saying unfinished business after winning seven Super Bowls, leading in passing yards. Just, he's done everything, but he says unfinished. So how does that shape this market? Luca, this is my hot take. We'll get into this in another episode. I think he's going to San Francisco, his hometown. Tom Brady? Tom Brady. What, you think a trade for Jimmy G? I don't know, but I think he might. We'll get into that in another episode. Let's move on. Von Miller signed a six-year, $120 million contract with $50 million in guarantees. That averages about $17.5 million per year through the first four years. That's a great addition for the Bills. You look at their pass defense this past year, you say they were the best pass defense, but their rush defense wasn't as strong. But signing Von Miller, that's just going to make them that much better. All right, we also have the Dolphins getting a little bit. They got... They got Teddy Bridgewater on a one-year 6.5, fully guaranteed. They also got Chase Edmonds. He got a two-year 12.6 million, and a complete 6.1 million guaranteed. Let's move on to your Ravens. They got a big safety in Marcus Williams. He signed a five-year 70 million dollar contract that includes 37 million guaranteed. I know you wanted Honey Badger, but Marcus Williams, I think he's pretty good. Now, yeah, I saw a stat. He is like the second lowest completion percentage allowed this past, what, season or two? And it's great because we have Deshaun Elliott. He's a free agent, probably not coming back. And just, it's a it's a great addition to this secondary that was horrendous this past year. Well, we'll see how it plays out this year. Next, you might be a little disappointed over this. Darius Smith was supposed to sign a pretty good contract with the Ravens, but he backed out of the deal with the, he backed out of the deal. Uh, I mean, we've seen that, what, now two times, including him, also with Randy Gregory. But, yes, I was a little disappointed, but I can't do – the Ravens can't do anything about it. They got to move on. 
Let's move on quickly to the Bengals. Great signings. We have tight end Hayden Hurst. He's on a one-year contract. And then they made some big moves and maybe another one today. Alex Kappa signing a four-year, $35 million deal that includes $20 million over the first two years and $1 million in Pro Bowl incentives. He is, I think, a great player to add. He has a great PFF grade. And then O'Lyman Ted Karras from the Patriots. He signed a three-year, $18 million contract. We also had the Bengals signing B.J. Hill. He resigned on a three-year, $30 million. That includes 15 in year one. One more thing, Luca. Lyle Collins. Friday night, he had dinner with Joe Burrow. He was in meetings all of Friday. These are great additions for the Bengals, obviously. One part they were criticized all season and the past two seasons since Joe Burrow's injury, O-line. With making these additions, this Bengals team that was able to make the Super Bowl without them is scary. Let's move on quickly. Wide receiver Amari Cooper. He went to the, uh, to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for a 2022 fifth round draft pick and a swap with six rounders. I think the Browns got a steal in that. I don't think Amari Cooper is the best wide receiver, but he's decent. Let's talk about Mitchell Trubisky. He signed a two year, $14.25 million worth of 27. Miles Jack also signed with the Steelers. I like that. He's very good. Christian Cart, let's talk about the Jaguars overpaying, spending a four-year $72 million. I think this made him the third. Maybe when maybe fourth with Devontae Adams' contract. Top five. Where he shouldn't be for pay-wise. Yeah. He's never had a, a game. He's had four games over 100 yards in, I think, four years. And $37 million fully guaranteed with a max value of $84 million. The Jags, they went all. They have Brandon. They got Brandon Sheriff. They got Cam Robinson. They got T- Evan Ingram, who has no hands. They got Tyler Shatley. But I think this this team. I don't know where they can go, but they could. I think they'll have a better record. And it's it's great to see them make these moves and put assets around Trevor Lawrence. And I definitely agree with you. Better record. It's just they're so different from last year. Just gotta see. We also have linebacker Harold Landry signed a five-year, $87.5 million extension with 52.5 guaranteed with the Titans. Let's talk about the AFC West heating up. I'll just go through them. Russell Wilson with the trade with the Seahawks. Wide receiver Devontae Adams just got traded to the Raiders. Max Crosby got a big extension over almost $100 million. Chandler Jones also going to the Raiders. And then... We have Khalil Mack going to the Chargers with J.C. Jackson. I mean, talk about like a loaded division. I'm scared because you and I as fans of AFC North teams, they play some of those AFC West teams, and they are just loaded. But it will be fun to watch those teams play each other twice, each one, all season, so... I'm excited. I think we'll have a lot of primetime games in those. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Let's move on to Marcus Lawrence. He's a three-year, $40 million, uh, with $30 million guaranteed. Carson Wentz going to the Commanders. Let's talk about the Colts having the most cap space coming into the year. They have done absolutely nothing when it comes to free agency. But Carson Wentz going to the Commanders. Mitch Trubisky going to the Steelers actually changes a lot in this draft because those were two teams that were projected to go get a QB early in this draft, and I don't think they will now because they they picked up in free agency. 
All right, Larry Ogunjobi from the Bengals signed a $40.5 million deal with the Bears. And DJ Chart signed a one-year $10 million that is fully guaranteed with the Lions. He was actually offered a big contract with the Jags, but he thought the Lions was a bigger, better fit for him. We have Aaron Rodgers extension, $150 million, .815 over the next three years with 101 guaranteed. Devondre Campbell signed a five-year worth $50 million. Very good. Russell Gage and Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin returning. Russell Gage from the Falcons. James Conner re-signed with the Cardinals. They made a move. Allen Robinson going to the Rams. Finally, if I slip the AFC North, Luca, Deshaun Watson. What do you think about that? Now, the minute we saw this, you and I were talking about it literally nonstop. But I'm actually skeptical about this because the Browns have given up their first-round pick in the next three drafts for a guy who hasn't played in two years and has 22 civil law cases against him. Who knows, as you've been saying, he might be suspended still a couple games. Who knows if he's actually going to be the same Deshaun Watson we saw in Houston two, three years ago. And the thing that I was kind of weary about with the Browns, I mean, look at they only have Amari Cooper, and their second wide receiver is Donovan Peoples-Jones. If you get into a shootout with the team, like an offense like the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Chargers, even you could say the Bills, I mean, you can't, you're not going to be able to stay in there forever. And they just gave away their chances of getting like a Garrett Wilson, a Crystal Lave, a Drake London. And who knows, Deshaun Watson could just be different. So I think, I think the Browns needed him. Definite upgrade from Baker, though. I think the Browns need to use him. And I think they need to use him to the best abilities. But you also said Darnus Johnson, their third running back, his value has gone dramatically down. And even Kareem Hunt's value has gone dramatically down because of Deshaun Watson's ability to run the ball himself. I like Darnus Johnson. I think he'll go somewhere else. I think he should be a good running back, too. You know, he's, I think behind, like, a big power running back, like a Chris Carson type of guy. He's a great kind of, you know, in bet- in between the tackles. But, I don't know. It'll be interesting because Baker's ruled the Browns for the past couple of years. And, I mean, look at the AFC North quarterback room. we got two new this year. Lamar, uncertainty right now. But, it'll be interesting. Alright, let's move into probably the biggest event in March. March Madness for college basketball. Luca, what is it? So March Madness is this tournament that starts around mid-March and goes till April 3rd or 4th. And it's a tournament between 64 teams, and it's the fight for the national championship. Records are wiped, you're given a seed, but it is a dogfight all the way to the end. And it's just amazing to watch especially these first four days and if you're not familiar with it there are brackets made where people you know there's money pools and there's online and you pick the teams who you think are going to win each game based on the previous game so we have the tough take challenge i think i'm winning right now and it's it's a fun thing to do with your friends it it can be a lot, a lot of research like luca did he's not doing so well he had iowa and kentucky going but it's fun, and if you're not into it right now, next year you should start. 
But let's get into game one. St. Peter's defeating Kentucky. A 15 seed being a, beating a two seed. Luca, what do you think of this game? I mean, I had Kentucky Final Four, but who doesn't love seeing a team like St. Peter's, small school from Jersey City, beating Kentucky, one of the most prominent basketball schools in the country? Let's start with Kentucky. Oscar Shibway, Kentucky star and Namath men's College Basketball Player of the Year award candidate still played like he does, has been all season. He played 42 minutes, 32 points, 16 rebounds, 2 blocks, shooting 11 for 16 from the field. But Zach, Ty Ty Washington, another star in this team, just struggled. Can you tell me his stats? He was held to just 5 points, shooting 1 for 2 from 3 and 20% from the field. I have to give props to St. Peter's playing him so well. Because he averaged 12.5 points per game, shooting five, 35% from three and 45 from the field. I think when you eliminate people like that who can be a difference maker in some situations, you have a pretty good chance of winning. And this Kentucky team not going very deep into their bench, only having three players off their bench play, and Davion Mintz was their most played player off the bench. He was in and out for Ty Ty Washington. But this Kentucky team, it just let a lot of people down. But now let's get into St. Peter's, the Peacocks. I mean, what a fight walking away with this win. But get into their stats. As a team, they shot 50% from the field and 52% from the three. And they hit their free throws, which is important. They, le- they were led by Daryl Brooks third with 27 points, 5 for 8 from three, 2 assists. As well as Doug Eater recording 20 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists. However... Those were only two players who had career games in this amazing team effort. This game, St. Peter's and Murray State, I mean, that's a good game. St. Peter's coming off a great win versus Kentucky in overtime. So there's a lot of good games in the next round, but I'm looking forward to this one. And now game two, another team I had in my Final Four, even my championship, Richmond defeating the Iowa Hawkeyes. Richmond out of the A-10 Iowa coming off a Big Ten championship win over Purdue. Just couldn't get it done. Starting with Richmond, Jacob Gilliard leading this team with 24 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists. Then you have Tyler Burton, who led the team in scoring during the season. Recorded 18 points and 11 rebounds. Nathan Kyle had 15 on 7-11 shooting and a block. So another team that just fought as a team, and they came out on top. Let's talk about Iowa coming off the Big Ten Championship when everyone thought they were going to come in and win this game. The team that had multiple players shooting in the 30% territory from three, such as Keegan Murray and Jordan Bonahan, shot 20% from beyond the arc in this game. Murray went 0 for 3 from three, but still found a way to score with 21 points, 9 rebounds, and went 5 for 5 from the line. And besides that, let's talk about Patrick McCaffrey. Patrick McCaffrey had 18 points. And besides him and Keegan Murray, no Hawkeye scored over six points. So this Richmond team really put a lock on every single one of this Hawkeye's players. But it, it's it's disappointing to see. But at the same time, again, it's exciting because now we have Richmond and Providence. I think that's what we're seeing in a lot of these games. Teams are really picking out the best players. I mean, you look at – God, I can't even think of them, but – there's a lot of these games, teams are just eliminating the best players and making 
like we saw yesterday in the Colgate game. They were trying to take it out of Nelly Cummings' hands, who still had 20 points. But I think that's that's big for these teams. You look at, and you get into the better games with like Gonzaga and how that plays out with like Chattanooga. But let's get into number 12, New Mexico State, taking down number five, UConn. And talk about a solo effort from Teddy Allen. 37 points of the 70 points the Aggies scored in total. Shot their only free throws, went 100% for the line. And he gave a little shimmy shimmy towards the end of the game celebrating. What a game. Allen also had six rebounds, three assists, and two steals. So, Teddy Allen is someone to watch going forward. That's what I was going to say, dude. Watch him against Arkansas. I'm I'm very intrigued to see how Arkansas handles him. Let's talk about UConn. They played the season a very tight Big East and didn't end the season how they liked. Couldn't keep up with the New Mexico State 64% from three and 46% from the field. Talk about RJ Cole had a solid game with 20 points, a rebound, and four assists. And then Adam uh, Sonigo not finding the basket that easily in this game, only recording 10 points compared to his 50 points a night in the regular season. This New Mexico State team found a way to score, or should I say Teddy Allen found a way to score, and they found a way to keep this hot UConn team away from their normal players, such as Adama Sonago not recording his average. So... I'm very interested. I kind of wish Vermont had won against Arkansas in that close game now to see a 13 versus 12 in the round of 32. But there's just so much more to look forward to. All right, let's move into the Paralympics. Luca, what are they? So the Paralympics is, well, they originated when Sir Ludwig Guttmann organized a sports competition with 16 World War II veterans with spinal cord-related injuries in England. And this is all according to Olympic.com. Now, Paralympics now is, it's, it's Olympics, it's Olympic competition with people who are missing limbs, who are vision impaired, hearing impaired. So it's really cool that we're able to see people like that still be able to compete like we see p- these star athletes that we all see. We also have China, who leads right now with 18 gold medals and 61 total. Ukraine, they're in our thoughts and prayers, with 11 gold medals and 29 total. And then Canada sits there with 8 golds and 25 total. Let's talk about Oksana Masters. Yeah, Oksana Masters made history winning 7 gold medals for the U.S. in the biathlon and cross-country skiing events. This made her the most decorated American Winter Paralympic athlete ever. Masters damaged both her legs by radiation poisoning from the Chernobyl nuclear accident. Let's talk about the U.S. sled hockey team who won gold after a 5-0 over a 5-0 rival Team Canada in the gold medal game. This one made U.S. captain Josh Halls the sled hockey player with the most Paralympic gold medals. Let's not just skip by that. They won 5-0 against the rival Team Canada. That's huge, because that rivalry between Team Canada and Team USA in women's hockey, men's hockey, and Paralympic sled hockey is heated. So great win there. And then let's end with Belgian vision-impaired skier Linda LeBon competed in the vision-impaired downhill ski event. However, her original guide was not able to compete 
So her daughter stepped in with very, very little training and led her to a sixth place finish in this event. So it's not just the athletes who are being courageous and competing. It's their families stepping in when it's time to step in. Great to see. All right, let's move on to our games of the week. We have the, I have the Lightning versus Hurricanes on Tuesday. We're also going to the Caps versus Blues game on Tuesday, which should be fun for my birthday. But one more thing about these Hurricanes. Luca, what a game last night we watched. The Caps, the Capitals winning in the shootout. We were a little skeptical about Samsonov and that, not Vitek, but Samsonov in the shootout, at least, he went, he did great. Ovi having the final shot scoring he also scored in the game on a power play with i think four minutes left which tied it up and that was it was a great game to watch great game to see and go caps it was a playoff atmosphere there was big hits there was chippy hockey and it came down to a shootout where alex ovechkin silenced the crowd great game to look forward to happy early birthday but my game of the week is number 11, Notre Dame, taking on number 3, Texas Tech, in the round of 32 games on Sunday. Great offense in Notre Dame shown in the Alabama game in the first round. versus one of the best defenses in college basketball with Texas Tech. Should be a thriller. Texas Tech had a good win yesterday, and Notre Dame did too over 60 to Alabama. They played great. I think they won by more than 10. So they, they, they did great. Texas Tech, like we said, did great, but it should be a great game. There's, there's great games all over. That has been Zach Green. Luca DeLosta, thank you for listening. <laughs>